Think twice cause you got a long way to go Don't know how to act, better fall back It's like that cause you got a long way to go Hello and welcome to another episode of Here's What You Could Have Run podcast. Today I'm talking to Rachel who really did have a long way to go when she ran the Grand Union 145 race. This podcast is now over a year old and I'm on episode 35. I still don't have a jingle or a sponsor because that's just how professional I am. In terms of a sponsor, it seems like Squarespace will sponsor basically every podcast out there. They've not approached me yet, so either I'm just too good for them or don't get enough viewers, so we'll have to see. What I do have, though, is a trial set of men's nipple protection all the way from Canada, which is very exciting. If you follow me on Twitter, you'll know I get bloody nipples a lot, like pretty much every time I run, it seems, recently. I've tried a lot of different solutions over the years. Uh, zinc oxide tape seemed to work quite well for a while, but the last few months it seems to be letting me down as well. And I'm finishing most runs yeah, either topless or with uh, two bloody bullet wounds down my front. So the lovely people at NIPT, I think that's how you pronounce it. It's spelled N-I-P-T-T. So it, I suppose it could be NIPTITTY. I don't know quite how you pronounce it. Anyway, they're in Canada and they sent me a special anti-chafing men's nipple tops. They do look a bit like a boob tube or strapless bra. Probably not the most visually appealing thing I'm ever going to wear, but then neither is finishing a race covered in blood. So I'm going to be trying them out uh, the next few runs and I'll let you know how I get on and be giving the manufacturers some honest feedback on how good they are. Since last podcast, I've taken part in the MK24 which is a 24-hour lapped event in Milton Keynes. The first year, I managed to win this outright with 104 miles. This year, to be honest, I ran 55 miles with a bit of a sore uh, big toe and decided basically to go home for bed as it looked a bit rainy. And turned out the next day when I looked, I had a splinter in my toe. So yeah, maybe if I'd have stopped to attend to that, I might have actually got a bit further, but... 55 still pretty good for a long run and i had some other big races coming up so i'm happy with that last weekend was the milton Keynes marathon and this is the first big event since covid happened so a couple of thousand runners took part in a 10k 5k half marathon full marathon or the marathon relay i ran the 5k on saturday morning managed to break 20 minutes which for me is always a bit of a positive as it's just on the cusp of being achievable so i thought that if i can break the 20 then i'm doing all right on Sunday, I ran the marathon, and I've run the uh, the MK marathon every year since it started. This is the tenth year, so I also earned an extra medal for completing all ten. There's a bit of a friendly rivalry amongst the ever presents that are done every year, and we all compete to be the last man or woman standing. We're down to about twenty four now, and eventually, yeah, be Highlander style. We're down to just one. For me, the marathon went reasonably well. I've not run many the last couple of years due to COVID and focus on ultras. Um, I often struggled to break four hours recently, so I'm definitely not back in shape that I used to be before COVID, but managed to plod on on a bit of a knee issue in the second half, which affected my pace a little. Fortunately, I met a club mate, Christian, on course, who had a beer for me waiting around mile 19. So, as usual, we've got a few odd looks for drinking on course, but it certainly helped. Uh, had a good chat with him, bit of a whinge, and got my head back in the game. Perked up and finishing three hours 44. Normally, that's the kind of time that I'm pacing because I'm normally official pacer for Milton Keynes. So, it felt good to get the right time at the end, even if my splits were a bit all over the shop. Coming up, I've got a local half marathon this weekend, and then I've either got Wendover Woods 100 miler or the Lakeland 100 miler in July. Still trying to work out what fits around work, life, holidays, etc. But it will be good to at least finish 100 this year. So I have to DNF the Thames Pass 100 earlier this year in May. One person who has finished a race even longer than 100 miles is today's guest, Rachel who took on the daunting 145 miles of the Grand Union. Joining me now is Rachel. She's back on the podcast again. Uh, she's here to talk about the Grand Union Canal Race. And you might remember, oh, maybe 20 episodes ago, uh, Rachel and Baz are on here because he ran it and she was crew for it. 
and obviously experience must have been something quite exciting for her because uh, she signed up. So welcome back. Hi, you're right. <laughs> Good to have you back on. Um, Thank you. Yeah, Thanks so for as me. we said, this is the Grand Union Canal Race, which if people don't remember is 145 miles straight down the canal, Birmingham to London. So it's a very simple race in terms of uh, what it is, the actual end point. But 145 is obviously one hell of a race. So, yeah, what was it, I suppose, about crew and Baz that made you think, I fancy a go at that? So, obviously, I crew for Baz in 2019, and it was a fantastic experience. Really enjoyed ourselves there. Me and Wiffers crewed for him. Um, it was it was eye-opening, firstly, <laughs> to see something like that going on, because, you know, I'd, I'd never experienced anything like that before, even in crew capacity. Um Essentially, what happened was I saw a lady running it that year um, and her name's Debbie, uh, Debbie Jewson, and she uh, she's renowned for, you know, she's done it six times this year. So she's completed Grand Union six times. And, and I saw her repeatedly through this, through crewing for bars and the determination on her face and the way that she was doing it I just, I was completely inspired. She had this big floppy sun hat on. You had all these like people in run gear looking really serious. And there was Debbie with this floppy hat and this determined face just power walking. <laughs> and I just thought, this is incredible. And then it kind of dawned on me. I thought, she's doing this and she's not, I'm, I'm not, you know, your, your typical runner type that takes things. I've never taken things too seriously. I've just done it to enjoy it, mm. you know. And and I just thought if if she's able to do something like that is it about being a runner or is it about getting it done you know and and getting yourself through the distance and and I started to think about it and I didn't overthink it because if I think I'd if I'd overthought it then I probably wouldn't have entered <laughs> but it was it was just kind of a bit of a whim uh and I thought oh let's go for it and I, I entered for the 2020 uh one which obviously got cancelled because of covid um and i didn't get into that and i was kind of relieved but then i went through the same process again <laughs> and, yeah, and, and it again no it's a ballot isn't it to get in so there's yeah, no guarantee yeah. you put your name down you don't pay anything up front you just cross your fingers and hope yeah well i i, I just entered and i kind of forgotten i'd entered and i got an email so i got in <laughs> <laughs> and and the expletives that came out of my mouth <laughs> I, I think everyone does um, there are a few people that have got in at the same thing because it seems a great idea doesn't it on the night you put your name in and then yeah. a month yeah. later you get an email and you're not sure whether in picked is lucky or unlucky yeah it was a rabbit in headlights moment and uh, I, I won't back out of something once I say I'm going to do it uh, once I'm in that's it so and, prior to getting in on the ballot then what was your longest race uh, so I'd done a few 70s, but they were generally over two days because I'd done them, um, you know, uh, Saturdays and Sundays, uh, which in, in itself can be quite difficult because obviously you'd start to stiffen up and your body goes into rest mode after the first day and it's about, you know, a case of getting yourself back into it again. Right. But um, but yeah, I'd, I'd only ever done 70. I'd, I'd never really hit the 100 or anything. And I think a lot of people are a bit like, you think you want to do 100 first? Yeah, I mean, um, traditionally most people would have done, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, but obviously I didn't have the opportunity either because uh, of COVID happening. So, um, yeah, just a bit in so, one big style. <laughs> so you got in on the ballot and then in terms yeah. of training for it then, did you get a coach or were you self-coached? No, I did it myself. Um, I, I started, so I had a couple of um, ankle sprains that were quite bad starting in September um and I was I was put in quite a bad way with it and I had a lot of rehabilitation with that and things would go right and then I'd go over on it again so um I kind of I ended up doing loads of walking to start off with to try and keep myself going keep muscles going and obviously get my ankle rehabbed and I did loads of walking at end of October beginning of November time um I started to run again in December which would give me approximately six months of, you know, solid training provided. Yeah. So I started from scratch, essentially, the beginning of December, uh, building distance up slowly. Um, now, I'm, I like to stick to the rules with things like that, you know, and obviously not up more than 10% because I am prone to injury because of, mm. you know, I've got hypermobility syndrome and things like that that I've got to be careful of. Um, so I did stick to the, the standard rules of 10% per week. Um, started from scratch. Um, 
And to start off with, I didn't really have a plan set in stone. It was literally just a case of time on feet and getting myself up to longer distances, um, you know, just plodding it out, really. Um, getting used to being on my feet for a good few hours on end. Um, I mean, that was, so there was December time. At the time, we yeah, were beginning still of December. proper hard lockdown then. So how yeah. confident you with this race would even happen, considering you've got a hell of a lot of train and a mountain to climb from zero to 145 for a race that might not happen? Um, I, I kind of thought, if it happens, I need to make sure that I'm trained for it. Okay. Um, there was some talk about delaying it to the September um in which case if I could get myself up to scratch up to where I needed to be then obviously it would be a case of maybe knocking it back for a month or two and then ramping things up again towards the end it was about sustaining it rather than rather than you know obviously training for it and then being disappointed and starting again um or not training for it and not (laughs) finishing it it? you know (laughs) so um so yeah I, I kind of I was aware that it could that it may not happen because I'd had a lot of races cancelled throughout the end of that year anyway, beginning of 2021. So, um, yeah, I, I wasn't really optimistic about it until about six weeks before when things started to actually, you know, get, get some kind of routine back again with the races yeah. and things. So, um, so yeah, you just got to, th- it was, it was better to train for it than not. Definitely. You know, in terms of obviously you must have struggled to get any sort of training races in then, which is normally having yeah. a normal year, wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, I spoke to quite a few people who had done, you know, long distances. Um, Baz, obviously, um, I, I ran a few things past him and Ultralu as well. And they said, you know, if you can try and get, you know, 100k in before you, oh. you do it, you know, see if you can get racing. And the only options I really had, well, I'd, I'd got Manchester to Liverpool that um, Nies had given me. So I ended up using that, which was, I think, the first race just after they'd started to it was literally the day after they'd, they'd allowed him to to run again so I managed to get out 50 miles um and then I was given a place from another lady on Twitter for Dukeries 40 but I didn't have any races so I was kind of lucky really that people were kind enough to give me the places That's so it, I could yeah. use them for race practice which was so great the longest of them. running training then was 50 miles yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, and you were nervous yeah, about the third race. of the race distance. <laughs> um, I, no, I didn't really think about it. <laughs> Again, I just, you know, I thought that's all I can do, you know. Yeah. And and sometimes it is a case of that if that's all you can do, then you've just got to deal with it. Yeah, true. You know, circumstances at the end of the day. Um, so yeah. And I know um, you mentioned before in training, you spent the focus a lot of time on nutrition and stuff. So how did that yeah. go? What did you do? So um, when I got that place, uh, I suddenly realised that I was about two stone overweight thanks to COVID. <laughs> <laughs> Weren't we all, yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I kind of thought, my knees and my joints aren't going to get through something like this. So I ended up, uh, I, I use my fitness pal. I've used it for a long time and I thought I need to really knuckle down and get myself sorted here. Mm. So um, I started really focusing on, you know, making sure that my, my firstly, my calorie count was right. That was the first protocol. Um, and then obviously as the activity upped, uh, right, I lost about two stone, I think it was, um, before I really started ramping up my training. Um, then... I started to get very sluggish and very tired and I was really trying, I was struggling to, to get up in the mornings and, you know, as the mileage was going up, I was having to do all my training at night anyway, because of childcare and stuff. And, and I was really, really lethargic. And one of my, it was somebody I know that I used to train with um, many, a long time ago. Um, she's a nutrition coach and she had some spaces and I just thought, do you know what? It's not going to, do any harm if I get her on board and see what she can do so she mainly just like um she coaches you know strength trainers and things uh, strength um uh, athletes but she has done people who've, who've done marathon disable and stuff so I just sent her a message and and she said oh yeah I can definitely help you with this because she knows I'm a little bit funny about food anyway like I don't if I'm really focusing on something I I have the tendency to go one way or the other you know so I can either pile on the pounds of weight training or 
you know, not eat enough of I'm doing loads of cardio. So yeah, she, she basically looked at my whole life and analyzed it all inclusive of, um, you know, responsibilities and job and, you know, day life, um, daily life and stuff. And, and she came up with this like plan and it was full of macros, um, you know, carbs, protein, fat and everything. And she had worked out the maths was too much for me to handle and I couldn't get my head around it at all because you read all this stuff. I'd got the um, Feed Zone Portables book that gave you all this information about, about you know, eating enough carbs and then percentages. And I just, I thought this is beyond me. Um, so I ended up being on about a 70% carbohydrate diet for about two and a half months before the actual oh, race itself. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not a carb fan usually. Uh. So this was like new to me. I haven't had carbs really in donkey's years because I've always been a high protein, high fat type person. And um, yeah, so she was getting me eating five times a day. Um, I was having, you know, I mean, it was probably about 500 grams of carbs for long runs and stuff. It was, it was a lot, you know? Um, so yeah, it was, it was interesting. It was, it was a learning process, you know, to realize that how woefully low I actually was leading up to it, you know, huge, yeah, huge difference. I was, I was waking up better in the mornings. Um, you know, I was, my my runs were more energized. I wasn't feeling lethargic. I'd starting to get brain fog at one point. Um, it, I clearly wasn't eating enough, and uh, and I was really struggling to think straight. And it was taking me loads of effort to kind of work things out. And and after after I'd you know got the right fueling, I started to perform better in day to day life. You know, so it was yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those things. I, I think. I think runners generally, it, it's nutrition is kind of overlooked a lot. You know, I mean, I certainly did leading up to this. I never even used to eat during some of my ultras that I'd done. I just used to just run them, you know. Yeah. I didn't have gels. I didn't eat sweets. I just used to just run. And then when I've got a bit tired, I'd walk a bit, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and, and, and I didn't realize how important it is even to just taking over day to day yeah. you know and how much of an impact it has on you so I'd, I honestly my, my runs were so much better afterwards and like some of my some of my races where I might you know Manchester Liverpool and Dukeries I didn't have any lows at all in energy <laughs> and over 40 and 50 miles that's unbelievable that's, yeah, you that's know well done, yeah. Right. yeah so it made a massive difference so the nutrition side of things yeah, it's something I don't think a lot of people ever really look into too much, do they? I certainly no. Just I think it's because it's so food. complex, though. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it is complex. It's really difficult to get it right, you know. And, and it's and, another and, thing to try and worry about when you're worrying about the miles. And yeah. Doing your strengths and conditioning and whether you've yeah. got the right mandatory kit and all this kind of gubbins. Yeah, I know. I do think, though, I mean, through even through the actual race itself, I didn't run about energy once. You know, I, I felt yeah. fully, it was, it was my feet that let me down rather than my energy levels, <laughs> you know, um, I was, I was absolutely, I felt great, nice. you know, Good to hear them. yeah. And the other big aspect of the Grand Union, which we're coming to now is crew. So you yes. had a crew and well, how do you find people who think it's a fun weekend, you know, spent in a car, standing in dodgy lay-bys next to canals looking at people? <laughs> um, it's an adventure in itself, really, isn't it? True. You know, um, I, so uh, Gary had done a lot of runs with me for, for my longer runs, that, so I wasn't on my own because uh, some of my 30-mile routes that I did to my mum and dad's at weekends could be a little bit hairy with traffic and stuff. So he kind of been part of the process. Um, Kat is uh, somebody I've known for many, many years, and she has a massive sense of adventure. And she loves doing stuff that's fun and interesting and and they they just they just wanted to, to be, get involved really you know I, oh. it was i think it was probably the same as what it was like with me and Wiffers with baz you know we, we just we just wanted to get involved in it because it sounded like some fun you know um but they gave up the whole weekend like you said my dad did mine <laughs> <laughs> yeah on, it was uh yeah they've, it's um i it appealed to me and obviously it must be something in certain the way mm -hmm. that people 
people are it just appeals to them to do it and i'd i've i've got tickets for leeds festival this year and i'm actually gutted because i want to crew at llcr <laughs> so <laughs> you know so it, it's you know provide if that doesn't go ahead i'm, I'm at llcr crewing because it's just a great experience mm-hmm. i love it so and you uh we mentioned earlier you had a few issues in terms of the crew car and stuff because obviously they've got to try and cover 145 miles in and out etc and you had a few mm. car issues yeah um so my car has been uh reliably unreliable <laughs> uh, for a long time and uh it just decided to um have a few engine issues and suspension issues all at the same time uh which pended it completely unreliable um so i went with my husband's car as a choice and he's got a big estate as well so it's quite good for like you know storing stuff for crewing and everything um and that is very reliable generally uh morning of the race it came back with a knock in the suspension which i had to then go and get sorted out at the local garage who drove it around and went yeah your wheel's not going to fall off you'll be all right for the weekend um so this was after i'd arranged the insurance as well on that car so it would have it could have been quite bad and it and it is just my luck for something like that to happen as well yeah just when you don't need in the morning yeah i yeah my head exploded and i i nearly cried on the mechanic (laughs) but he's uh yeah he just looked at me like i was mad when i told him what it was for as well so yeah it's it's good to have a probably a mechanic on your crew (laughs) (laughs) but you did get there up then friday then up to birmingham yes did you check in on the friday yeah yeah we stayed yeah jury's in which was like right next to the start line it's about five minutes Um, yeah yeah and the registration was different this year it wasn't in the travel lodge they had to do it on the canal side um because of all the covid regulations and stuff uh so it's literally just out it's on gas street so um this time you feel about that because certainly when i ran it it seemed to be full of proper runners and then there was me as a pasty fat bloke wandering around the back wandering over um do you know i again i didn't really think about it that much because i hadn't really been around people for such a long time because of the whole covid (laughs) situation i was more worried about i had massive social anxiety just being (laughs) around people so I, i just kind of i ended up putting my sunglasses on and my hood up because i just couldn't cope with the amount of people around me um, <laughs> yeah I, I just myself cats are very similar to me and both was just felt so uneasy just being around that many people and so it didn't really give me a chance to think about it but i did notice a lot of people that i i don't i'm little you know i'm five foot two and there's all these really tall ultra runner types there and i'm thinking I'm little and you look like runners and I'm just me, <laughs> you know, and yeah. And you just, they're all, some of them are very serious as well, you know, and, and, and like I said, I just, I don't tend to take myself too seriously generally. And uh, yeah, it can be, it can be quite daunting. I think I did, like I said, I didn't really think about it too much, but looking back on it, I did mm. think at one point there's a lot of proper runners here. <laughs> well, that, um, you know, the race famous is about 50% finish rate, doesn't it? So yeah, yeah. I certainly felt when we, I did it, looking around the room, that if you were to, you know, put a bet on who was going to finish and who wasn't, I'd certainly yeah. wouldn't bet on myself to finish. There was there was actually one woman there um, at the start line who was briefing somebody else about it, and she was saying, "Oh, well, you've got the people who are the proper runners, and then you've got the middle of the pack ones who are just trying to get through, and then the ones that won't make it." And I thought, "It's a bit brutal," <laughs> you know. Some of us are tortoises, you know. Exactly. <laughs> you know, so uh, yeah. So it it was. Uh, I think there was there was a couple of people that seemed to be quite confident about it. I don't know if they finished, but um, yeah, I'm just quite pragmatic about things like that, though. Yeah, that's cool. Though. The race starts about six a.m. wasn't it, on a Saturday? Yeah, yeah. And after a wet, grim, and flooded spring, I think it was the hottest weekend mm. of the year. <laughs> Yeah, I was, was running in hail two weeks before and I'd been in merino socks, been training in merino socks because my Reynards and it was like, it was un- completely out the blue, blazing sunshine and you just think, what is going on? Especially in Birmingham, they're not used to sunshine. No, <laughs> well I'm certainly, I'm, I'm still in Yorkshire, you know, we oh, don't get, it's practically Norway at this time of year. <laughs> 
<laughs> but yeah, so it was it was uh, different, you know, running in sideways hail and stuff, and then having all of that to contend with. It, you, you don't manage to climatize your body properly no, for things like that. that. So, in terms of race, do you have sort of a target time to finish, or are you just trying to you know, get as far as you can before you fall? No, it was it was literally a case of I had forty five hours, and. If I, you know, I just had to make sure that I could keep moving for 45 hours. Because looking at the, the, um, you know, the timings and things, I think the first, first 70, it was looking at about 4.2 miles an hour average, mm. I think. And then it dropped to like 2.8 for the second 75. And I thought, if I can get to the first 70, then I can drag myself by my fingernails for the last 75. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it, it was literally a case of getting to that 70 and then I could just keep plodding, keep moving, you know. And yeah. I just thought I could be moving for 45 hours. I need to be prepared that I'm moving for 45 hours because, you know, you could do it at a fast walking pace if you needed to. Yeah. Um, you know, so I was really I was really pleased with my time, though, because I wasn't, I, you know, I was expecting to use that full 45. You can't get the time yet. We've not got there. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Of that, uh, the 70 for the cutoff, then the first 65 of that are all completely on your own, you're not allowed a body or anything. So, mm -hmm. I mean, that's a, a pretty big undertaking itself, a sort of 65 mile solo race, is that? Yeah, um, I I kind of had a, a strategy where I, I do listen to music when I run, um, but I didn't want to exhaust that too early. So, I, I held off for the first 14, 15 miles. Uh, and didn't have any music. I don't usually run without music, you know, on my own. So I kind of took in the surroundings, was listening to the birds, I was enjoying, the, enjoying myself, seeing what was going on, maybe having a chat with a co another couple of runners as I was going. And then I listened to the radio because it was, it was kind of like an interaction thing. You know, um, usually I just listen to music straight yeah. up, but the radio kind of gave me listening to people talking and things like that. And that, that kind of kept me going a, a little bit. Um, and then when it when I really start to push myself, I go on to my, my tunes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think it was at that point, it was a case of taking each checkpoint at a time. You know, um, you just think I've just got another X amount of miles. Then I get to speak to people and see people and, you know, do things. Um, it is a bit of a blur all that first bit, though, because um, like I said, I think when you're on your own, you just kind of get, you know, engrossed in your own head and just yeah, think definitely. about things and um yeah so I'd, it was the furthest distance i've ever run on my own because i think it was only dukeries that i'd actually done the 40 on my own you know um so i've not i've not yeah um i quite like my, my brain it's 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 a fun place to be in i don't think that's the same for everybody <laughs> but you know i just uh think about things and just look at the scenery as i'm going yeah it's nice to have headspace and i suppose for that first yeah. 60 miles it probably was exciting when on the canal, but it can get a little bit monotonous, kind of. After yeah, all. yeah. I mean, I think it's um, it's probably a case of just um, dealing with the first, you know, the first, and just kind of managing the small bouts of boredom that you might get, you know. So, How often were you meeting your crew then? Uh, to start off with, it was every ten miles or thereabouts. It might have been nine, might have been twelve, yeah. you know. Um, so that was for the first 70, um, which, like I said, it's bite-sized chunks then. And and I literally, the plan was to optimise every checkpoint. Just, I mean, the first checkpoint, I think it was two minutes, you know, um, high by, grab my stuff and go. Um, obviously, that gets longer the further you go. Um, then after 70, uh, we didn't have um, a checkpoint the Milton Keynes stop in the middle of the night we didn't have because Kat was on her own and yeah. we didn't want to um didn't want to kind of leave her open to any potential weirdos it was all right it's some very interesting characters on the canal um yeah the, I just remember when I when I crew for Baz um Whiffers uh ended up uh going off with Baz and I had to go back to my car mm. on my own and it was a walk back to the car down a little alleyway and it I wasn't 100% comfortable about it so um 
I was all right because I, I walked back with my keys right around my knuckles. <laughs> but I, I just didn't want, I didn't want cats, I didn't want me to be responsible for cats to have something awful happen to us. So we, we skipped it and we did 20 miles through the night rather than oh. a 10 and 10. Um, then after that, I think it was up to about 108 we did every 10 miles. And then we ended up cut, shortening it to about six or seven after that because it just helped to have those regular checkpoints to mm. keep your head in gear. Um, because I think 10 miles at that point is actually a really long time in your head. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Definitely. Um, Are you still so trying yeah. to make them quite quick, uh, checkpoints? I know that I was um, pacing or not pacing. You can't call it that, Granny. Budging <laughs> someone. And it, it, yeah. he seemed to faff a bit too much at checkpoints with his crew. And you kind of think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think the, the first 70, definitely. I had a longer stop at the 70. Um because I needed to make sure I was prepped up for the night, swapping over yeah. kit and everything, making sure I was warm enough. Um, and obviously making sure we had enough stuff for 20 miles as well. Um, then my next longer point, I think it was from 70 actually, I started to have a little bit of a longer stop and it wasn't necessarily faffing. It was getting my head in gear before the mm. next stint. Um, you know, and it was just a case of fueling, you know, reapplying sun cream insect repellent you know things like that and and it was it was more of a kind of a social thing as well to kind of get yourself out of a bad place right. you know by by having a chat with people and letting them know how you're getting on and and everything so yeah the checkpoints did get longer after 70 i'd say probably from 100 definitely um and then the the blisters needed seeing too at one point which was a good <laughs> half an hour stop you know so yeah so i wouldn't say it was faffing as such but i think some of it is a case of getting yourself back in a happy place again true you know no Nathan. i know you you mentioned earlier you said you had a bit of a hip niggle at 44 miles was it that's obviously not ideal yeah you've got 100 miles no <laughs> yeah it was so i've never had a hip problem in my life i've never had a hip flexor issue uh, I think it was just the case that everything was so flat. Um, I spoke to one of the medic guys there and he just said, it's the flat, you know, it's just that repetitive movement of the same muscles. Um, so yeah, the hip niggle, I ended up strapping, I literally stuck a heat patch to my groin <laughs> and I had a heat patch attached to it for the rest of the race from 65, no, from 70 that was. Oh, um, I just kept a heat patch on it because that was the only thing that, that I could do to keep it moving but it, I couldn't actually lift my leg off the floor at one point. I was okay. having to physically use my hands to lift my leg up when I was going up steps because I couldn't <laughs> lift my leg up. Um, I've never known anything like it. It was it was really really painful. Even even if you lose your footing, I think a lot of people are like that after race the next day. I don't they need help getting yeah. upstairs, but not during. Oh, it was it was even the little flinches with the you know with the the grass and stuff when it's slightly uneven. Yeah. the little flinches were causing shooting pains through my hip, right. and I'm telling you, without cocodamol on that heat patch, I'd, I'd have been in right trouble. You didn't but, think about perhaps dropping at that point. No, <laughs> failure is not an option. <laughs> you're 100 miles left, yeah. your hip don't work, but you're fine. Yeah, well, I just had to keep my feet moving. I you know, just keep putting one foot in front of the other, no matter how painful it was. But you got to yeah. Yeah, navigation in. I was looking at the results, just about 9 30, was it? So, sort of ooh, three and a half hours ahead of cut off. And that's what yeah. just outside Mount Keen. So you were you were yeah. still moving well, I suppose, even if perhaps not the pace yeah, of life was done. Yeah, I mean, I think the first uh I, I did optimize the first 40 though, because I did run fairly sharpish mm. in the first before the hips started kicking off, I was moving really quickly. Uh for me. <laughs> um so uh so yeah, but I felt good, so I went with it. I'm just I'm I run quite responsively and and you know, if I feel good, I go with it. If I don't feel good, I don't go with it, you know. So, and I felt good. So, uh, obviously, that first bit went well enough to be able to get ahead and stay ahead. Cool. And you had, uh, you were buddy throughout when you were allowed to be buddy, weren't you? So, yeah. What benefit yeah. having a buddy like on a race? Um, so, I would say through the night, obviously, with the 20 mile bit, um, you know, your buddy can carry your stuff for you. Mm. So, obviously, I had a checkpoint in a bag um so that helped um it stops you from falling in the canal <laughs> oh, yeah. um you know 
uh keeps your head on the straight and narrow as well you know if you're having a little rant or whatever you know it's somebody to rant to rather than ranting yourself like a mad woman um i'd say that uh you know pushing yourself uh can sometimes be difficult so them giving you a bit of a nudge um or at 95 miles having a good cry you know to somebody (laughs) you know um it's they're kind of sharing your experience with you but right. also kind of encouraging you when you're feeling a little bit low you know because it, it isn't easy in places you know um and it can be quite lonely on your own like you said the first 65 having a buddy with you makes a massive difference because you're not on your own yeah you know it you're sharing goes, your experience with somebody yeah um yeah, so it's good for encouragement, really, I think. But, I mean, I bumped into you just as you were leaving Milton Keynes, and, yeah, you seen. Yeah, I didn't even see you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you ran back I for me, so I felt very bad you. about. I, I know, no, I just, I just, Gary said, oh, it's Mark. I was like, was it? Didn't know it was you. I, I was completely away with it at that point. I was pro-plussing it through <laughs> the night to try and keep my eyes though, open. Yeah. I'm quite, like I said, I'm quite a pragmatic person usually. I just kind of, you know. 90 ish miles, I think, something like that. And you just said to me, oh, my hip's gone. I can't run. I'm just going to keep walking. Yeah. It's a very positive attitude to have. Got to keep moving, keep putting one foot in front of the other. That's all it is. Pad it, you know, tab it out. (laughs) Exactly. And um, you did uh, somewhere between Lake and Basel and Tring, you were saying you had a bit of a a bad mental patch is that where you had the breakdown cry yeah yeah um lighting bothered often makes me cry as well <laughs> <laughs> yeah well I, I don't know what happened it was it had gone daylight and it was just a world of pain basically Actually, everything hurts <laughs> mm. you know my, my hip was really bad my feet were really hurting as well at that point it was like a, just a combination of everything and and i think if you stop and think I've got another 50 miles, Yeah, you know, it, it's, it's that thought where you think, oh my God, if you, if you don't think about it, you just keep putting one foot in front of the other, you're constantly getting closer to the finish line. But if you stop and think of the magnitude of what you've got to do left and, and the world of pain that you're in. kind of middle of nowhere there, aren't you? Well. It yeah. Feel like yeah, it was lonely. Close to London. It's not. Yeah. It was really lonely. I mean, obviously I was, I had a body runner, but it, it was, it was just, it was just very desolate and grey and misty and it was a bit depressing really <laughs> and and then I started overthinking everything and I was thinking I've put all this effort in I've, I mean I've I've never trained for anything like I've trained for this mm. never I just I just wing it usually because I just like to have fun you know and and I really I put in so much effort and I thought what if this is all in vain and then yeah. I've been I decided last minute to raise money for my friend who's got um stage four cancer and and then I then everybody knew I was doing it and I think everybody knows I'm doing this I'm gonna let everybody down I'm gonna let my friend down and and it just all became too much and and I, I literally said to Gary I was like he, he kept asking me can I get you anything do you need any food need a drink need this and I didn't say anything I wasn't talking at this point and and I just it was silence for a really long time I was like I just need to have a really good cry <laughs> and he went so cry then I'm like and I literally just I didn't stop crying oh, for a good half an hour you know I don't think he knew what to do he just kind of went <laughs> <laughs> are you okay I'm like <laughs> just lots of crying <laughs> but yeah so uh yeah apologies to uh Gary for that one because it I'm not sure uh, you knew what to do, but I'm sure it's in the job description. Yeah, yeah, I know. Well, I think he was expecting it at some point because uh, I've managed to keep my head together for so long. You're going to have dips at some point yeah, throughout that yeah. type of distance. And then, you know. not long after that, then around an eight miles, you had a bit of a surprise. So, what was that? Yeah. So, can I have been buggers behind <laughs> my back? My crew had been messaging my dad. So, but what had happened was on one of my runs. Um, uh, like Gary come around for cake after because my mum and dad mm. used to put on cake after my long runs and uh my dad had just said to me afterwards I suppose you've got Gary's number have you I'm like why <laughs> and he just went oh we we're just talking about going on a bike ride in high peak and he was gonna come around for a brew and I'm like oh okay then completely naive <laughs> so I just went oh yeah that's his number so anyway didn't think anything of it after this and and I was I was it was Hemel Hempstead and Again, I'd, I'd picked up a tring and then I was starting to dip again. And um, yeah, 
and I kind of walking up and I see I see my crew and then they move out of the way. And my dad's there in a wheelchair because he's, he's been shielding since February. He's not been out of the house, not left Whaley Bridge for, you know, since last year. And like, it was the last person I was expecting to see, you know. And and then then my mum comes and she's like, I'm here for hugs. And, and it was just so, it was amazing because, like I said, they were the last people I expected to hear. And at that point in time, I really needed a hug off my mum, <laughs> you know, because I was just feeling really, really crap. <laughs> and and they were there and the, the thing about my parents is they they've done some crazy stuff you know themselves and they they get the crazy you know and they they've they've done ultra marathons before anybody did them really because you know it was back in the early 90s thing isn't it so yeah yeah yeah. so they they've done the you know they've done some awesome stuff and but they they don't tend to be able to make it to a lot of the stuff i do because my dad's in a wheelchair because he's got parkinson's so um so yeah they they often can't make it so to see them there Mm. was firstly absolutely mind-blowing because it was the last people expected here and then secondly i needed them (laughs) you know i I really needed them at that point and and yeah and then i cried again so (laughs) yeah i was quite with happiness though and it was it was just lovely so it's probably a good point isn't it because you then got sort of 30 something left which then seems a bit more manageable once you yeah yeah that was what my dad had said he was like let's let's meet you there uh, and they'd arranged that it was all wheelchair friendly as well yeah. we'll meet you there because she'll need us there probably and yeah. then obviously it was just perfectly timed you know it, it couldn't have been a better point to be honest I mean I picked up loads after that and ended up speeding up for the next segment so yeah it was it was amazing it was just so nice and you were saying yeah so you potentially though from what you were saying you might have picked up a little bit too quick after that in the- yeah yeah then it got really hot <laughs> um yeah again the heat wave weekend I, I really struggled at, um I think it was coming up to 122 I think it was um where it was midday and and the canal is so open you know there's around no that time really, of day yeah. there's nothing and and it was absolutely beating down on me and and they, they told me oh it's x amount of miles to the next one and I was looking at my watch and it wasn't, <laughs> it was longer. <laughs> so the, this, the thing is though, like 0.5 of a mile can make a huge difference when you're doing things like that. And it yeah. can be, it can, it can be massive, you know? So yeah, I can, I, I lost my temper, but I felt so hot and I, I've had heat stroke before and I was starting to feel a bit like that. And I was mm. just, you know, my head just goes cause you're so hot and, and uh, Baz ended up grabbing a chair off a woman on a barge and chucked it in a bush and made me sit down and um yeah and and this woman he goes we need a chair <laughs> and uh and she was like oh is she all right she's she's ran from Birmingham <laughs> and she just went oh take the chair <laughs> take the chair <laughs> um but yeah it was it was managing the heat from then though because it, it was just relentless um you know, and, and having those, the, the freezer packs were a really good idea as well. Mum had some and Baz went and collected them to cool me down. And um, yeah, they were brilliant. Just put on your back of your neck, on your wrists, you know, to help keep you cool. Um, and Calippos, Calippos were amazing. They're the best. Yeah, the, the best. I, I, I know, ever fantastic. <laughs> I know. They, my mum sent Baz a message and, and said, you know, like, is there anything I can get? And, and, and Baz said, oh, anything you want can get. I went, I want a Calippo. So she bought a big box of Calippos and I had those as well. It's brilliant. So I'm sure ultra runners have more Calippos and you know kids and yeah. the intended market. There's something about them though, isn't there? Just frozen drink, isn't it? You know, Even it's when they're melt, they're still useful, aren't they? With lots oh, of air over so yeah. a packet and be useless. Yeah, you see, it's just it's just good, isn't it? It's the right shape okay. and the right type of thing. <laughs> exactly. So you did avoid heat stroke anyway, so it was good. Just about, yeah. Yeah, just about. With the and right then, management. Yeah, not long after that, then you end up at the really tricky bit of navigation, which is turning left at Bulls Bridge. Yes. And is... with my history of getting lost, <laughs> it was it could have been problematic. I mean, I don't think there's a race I've not been lost in. Oh, up, to, up to Grand Union. I think that's the only race I've not ever got lost in. Right. So, yeah. Uh, but well, I've that one is signposted London, isn't it, I think? Or I can't remember how yeah, it's Paddington, yeah. Paddington, yeah, it's Paddington. Yeah, it's Paddington. 
yeah and and i had baz with me to point it out as well and it's so exciting when you see that sign if you know if you're off navigation yeah keep going from there oh it was just you see it and you think that's the sign because spencer had put it on twitter and he went don't forget to turn left because i obviously get lost all the time and i had that picture in my head so when i saw it i thought oh i'm there this is amazing and it just gives that little perk yeah and then not long after that then you've got uh, the final checkpoint which is yeah. uh, pretty much exactly a half marathon to the finish. How did that feel? Um, so it was it. It's very understated, isn't it, as a checkpoint because it's uh, <laughs> it's just kind of urban London with an underpass. Yeah, yeah. it was. Uh, yeah, I think I think that was the point where Baz had eaten chicken. If I remember, I remember bringing that up when I was there. I was like, this is where you ate chicken and you're vegetarian. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I had a bit. Of, I was feeling perky, though, at that point. It was it was just, it's home straight stuff then, mm. isn't it? And, and, and we'd done some maths and worked out that even if I, like, you know, crawled it, I could get there. <laughs> and it's knowing that, you've, that you, you're on that home straight then and the end is in sight and you, you're pretty much there. Yeah, you know, I like that bit of out where um, you can work out just how slow you could go to still finish, and you get yeah, to I could do one point two miles an hour and still finish. I know it's it's um it's one of them, isn't it? Where you just uh you just got the math there, the math is there, and the math supports yeah. that you're gonna do it. You know, um, but yeah, I was I was kind of elated. Grim bit of London you're going for, isn't it? It's the least yeah, it's interesting. Bit. I think that's the bit I remember the most, actually. Come as you did Milton Keynes um, and you run through the cesspit of... Mil- Milton Keynes was fun. There were some interesting drunk people on the canal in Milton Keynes that I had a conversation with. But there were you know, like were... floating the canal like you get when you get into London. Oh, it's it's almost dark towards the end of there. It's fine. <laughs> you can't see it's not there. <laughs> yeah. No, it was it was inter- it, it was interesting. There was lots of bikes there that kept trying to run me over as well, which is nice. a bit annoying on that home straight. Uh, we built an extra checkpoint as well for that last bit because um, it was a long way. So um, yeah, we decided to put an extra checkpoint in at the Sainsbury's um, halfway down. Oh, yeah. So like the last sec- the last section before the Sainsbury's ran into Spencer, and that was fun because uh, he come down. And he's very perky and happy and he always kind of brings the mood up. So, yeah, that was lovely. Um, but, yeah, I think it was between that between that last checkpoint and the same reason when my toe went um, and things got a little bit hairy in the foot department. Nice. Um, yeah, the additional checkpoint's good, for, you know, for things like that as well because um, I think it just self-destructed on me, really. <laughs> it had enough. Uh, but my dad was a podiatrist yeah my dad was a podiatrist though so I just sat in his wheelchair and he kind of got himself on the floor and he he patched my feet up for me which was good I think it's always good to have a podiatrist on hand you know for these things I'll make a list of that on my next crew kit yeah yeah well you know it's it's a useful profession (laughs) definitely it's more useful than like an accountant which my wife is so that's not that handy Um, 140 yeah no I guess not (laughs) So obviously you did finish. What was your finish time? Okay, so I finished in forty hours and fifty-three minutes, so uh, which I was extremely four hours pleased under with. The cutoff, isn't it? Yeah, four hours and seven minutes. So when yeah. under? Yeah. What was your finish position was, in the end? I came second and fifth lady. So yeah, I wasn't expecting that at all, to be honest, because all the way through. Whenever I'm doing races, I always I don't think about how many men are ahead of me because it's not comparable. But I always ask like how many women are ahead of me because that's something you can compare yourself with. I've got a mate like and that as well, and she's constantly wants to know where, uh, yeah, just where the women are, out, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I was. I, I, there was twenty women who started, uh, and there were ten I think who finished. Um, so middle of the pack for the finishes, uh, the women wow. I'm quite happy with because I think there was like two or three that well. Yeah, there's two or three ahead of me that actually like win races and stuff. Uh, one runs for Britain and things. So yeah, I, I one of my mates was Buddy and the woman who won, and she was doing even better than her planned schedule and flying through. Ridiculous. Yeah, 
I know. I'm I'm quite happy with that. I mean, I was happy to finish, you know, to finish that. And the, and the, mm. the lady who wrote my name down on the board asked me if it was my first time as well, because apparently it's a good time for, to fit, well, it's good to finish on a first time and having that type of time as well, apparently. So I, I'll take that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? again, it was about 100 stars and 50 finishes broadly, isn't it? So it's stuck to its yeah. usual 50% failure rate. Yeah, and you know it's it's not a race that attracts people who get lost after part one, is it? You have to be pretty determined and yeah. focused to even apply. So it yeah, it's a lot more in, yeah, difficult, I think, than you'd imagine a flat race would be based on the yeah. rate. Yeah, Obviously well, when you get when you get your yeah, well, what, I was going to say when you get the flat races, though, I think in some respects it's it's a lot harder because mm. you you you're obviously doing the same thing when you're doing hills you get a little bit of a difference you know you might yeah. slow down and you walk you you know when you go up you run a bit faster on your way down that the canal stuff is is just something else i've i've never experienced anything like it in my yeah. life probably never will again <laughs> you know but it's it's, so you uh, the grand it's slam definitely the ultra, yeah. very difficult which I was thinking whilst I was trained off, what I'd do for that, but I was busy the weekend for the uh, yeah. the KCR one. So, <laughs> but, yeah. well, I think once you've done the first one, you do kind of think, oh, I'd like to do the slam. You don't want to do it too many times. You do kind of think, oh, should I try the rest of it? It's tricky, isn't it? Yeah, I did say at the end, my dad's got a video of me saying uh, that I would never do it again, <laughs> uh, which which I said I would never do it again. So it didn't mean specifically. You know, I wouldn't do Grand Union again. Oh, Doesn't yeah, mean I'm not going to do another one. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Um, um, do you think, in a way, because you went out with a plan just to kind of finish, that you, in a way, you're better mentally prepared? Because a lot of people I know that have failed have gone out with very specific targets in mind, either finish times or finish positions. And on the whole, it's not worked out for them. But do you think there's some advantage in being a bit more realistic? I think, you know, I said to you before about seeing Debbie running. Mm. I, th I don't think it's, it's necessarily something which favours good runners, mm. you know, because people who are good at running know that they can do something and they've got it in their head that if they go slower, then it's not doing as well. And it, and it does get into your head when you've got a time that you want to beat you know, yeah. we've got a time in your head that you want to finish something, then it is difficult to take that. But it's it's 145 miles. You know, if you're going to go at the pace that you go at normally, you, you've you got a greater chance of, of it going wrong, you know, and blowing out. Uh, I think the whole time I was holding back and I was making myself hold back because I knew there was a long distance to go. And again, like you said, it was just, for me, it was about finishing it it was just a case of getting one foot in front of the other. And I think psychologically, it's a lot easier to handle that, knowing that you could be moving for the full 45 hours and mm. thinking, I'm going to bosh this out in 30. You know, um, I, I, like I said, Debbie is, she's she's always mentioned, you know, she's always said she's like back of the pack type runner, you know, and she's done it year in, year out. She's, you know, she's done, done it six times. And that's, you know, like you said, there's people who have, you know, tried it who are really, really good runners and they haven't. And yeah. I think it's it's a different type of thing. You know, I think it it's like 70% psychological, 30% physical, you know. It probably is, yeah. It's not even more so. Yeah, I'm I'm not a good runner. You know, I've 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 you know, I'm a plodder. I always have been. If I run faster, I get injured. So for me, you know, continuously moving in one direction is better than me trying to get as fast as I can between A, to, you know, from yeah. A to B. So it's, it, I think it favours somebody under the cut off. So you're, you know, yeah. You the, the last bit I did sprint though. Float, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the last bit I thought I looked at my watch and I thought I can get in in under forty one here if I move faster. You know, for the so for the last I think it was the last three or four miles I thought right. And I, I really went for it, you know, because I would just, it, I, with all the variables involved throughout the entire race, you, you can't say, 
conclusively I'm going to do this in this time it's it's not possible to do that you know things can go better things can go worse you've got to be open-minded with it but that last 15 minutes you think actually yeah I can do this better so you then you do you sprint finish (laughs) but yeah just I I did hold back a lot though for the whole for the whole first 70 I, I ran it but I didn't I didn't really push myself at all because you've you, you've got a long way to go, long you know. Way. Yeah. <laughs> cool, brilliant. Well, thank you for that. Any tips or advice for people who are tempted to do the Grand Union? Um, be honest. If if I can do it <laughs> with the right discipline and staying focused on training, then pending illness or injury. I think anybody is capable of doing it if they put their mind to it. You know, I I think you've got to be strong-willed. You've got to tick. I didn't miss one run from my training. I, I ticked every single one off. And if you are disciplined enough to put the training in for that six months before, you know, then that's, that's your hard work bit. Your race is the fruits of your labour, you know, um, I think it's it's not necessarily a case of signing up to the the race itself. It's a case of signing up to six months of your life being completely consumed by something. And if you're willing to to accept that, then you can do it. You know, I've I've been out hours. <laughs> you know, getting from work, I'm out. You know, uh, get back, go to bed, same again the next day. It's just yeah. a case of ticking the boxes and getting the training done. No, that's good attitude. Thank you. And now this is sort of done out your system. What's next? Um, <laughs> Go back well, next year and win it. <laughs> um, well, I've, I've got a few. So I've got a few uh, races that I've got to put to bed because I got lost and I was on for a really good time until I got lost. So I'm doing, doing those. I'm, I'm going to redo Manchester to Liverpool because I ran an extra six miles at that one. <laughs> so I'd, I'd like to... <laughs> It's 50 miles, so isn't I, it? Yeah, I did 56 miles. I'd, wow. I'd quite like to do that because um, I finished an all right time even doing the extra six miles. So I'd like to do that again and do it well and do it some justice. Yeah. Um, but I'm also toying with the idea of, I've seen a, a race in Wales that's uh, 200, um, but you've got 120 hours to do it in and it's very lumpy. And I think I'm kind of, after doing a lot of flat with the area that I live in being so hilly, it'd probably be easier to train for. Possibly, um, yeah. Because yeah, uh, finding flat areas in South Yorkshire is very difficult. And I found the flattest section of where I live to do laps of on a regular basis just to get flat in and then travel over to Manchester for the canal runs and things. Yeah. So, yeah. So I think I'm going to, I'm going to go for something that's perhaps not one you know, non-stop, because um, the recovery for non-stop is unbelievable. <laughs> you know, losing that whole night's sleep, it's, you know, it, you your body's trashed after that. You know, it's it's not just physically, it's mentally and fatigue-wise completely trashed. So, um, so yeah, this, this 200 one's an interesting one. Um, you get, you know, sleep stops, which might come in useful. Which might be helpful, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But I'm gonna I'm gonna rein it in a little bit, I think, to start off with and do a few fifties, I think, just to do them well and then maybe yeah. reevaluate. Yeah. Yeah. So just just little fifties. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've got Race of the Stones next week. I think it, yeah, a week on Sunday, which is just a, an enjoyable plod to go and have a look at what it's like down there. Cause that's generally why I do my races. I like to go look at other places. So the stones aren't the finish line though, that you go to the stones. And you oh, right. And okay. Back, so be aware oh, okay. of that. Thanks for the info. <laughs> yeah. I'll, uh, well, I was going to say, if, if it's anything to go by being told that, you know, it's six and a half miles in instead of like <laughs> seven or whatever, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I do get a little bit touchy about things like that. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you very much for coming on. And yeah, it's, I think I'm going to have to go back at some time and do it again. I kind of. You should. Yeah. Speaking to people and crewing, well, not crewing, buddying this year kind of made me want to go back. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely want to start crewing again. I've I, I loved crewing. It was great. It's it's a real 
great experience and you don't end up completely trashed for you know a good month afterwards either doing that right. so yeah well, i find for something yeah. almost more stressful than the running though because you have to be places at certain times don't you Whereas if you're running yeah. you just follow the route and you get to it when you get to it i think i like the organization though it, it's meticulous and and it's very tick box you know as long as you are there and you have everything you need and you know it, it it's uh it, if it's well planned it works out okay well, best of luck then, and yeah, thanks for coming on and speak to you soon. Right, thank you very much. Thanks again to Rachel for coming on there. It's a it's a real good race, the Grand Union, but it is one that's deceptively hard. As I said, half the people that start don't finish, and they're all very experienced runners. So, big well done to her for finishing, especially with a few uh, feet and hip issues along the way. If there's any races you'd like to see featured, then drop me a message. And if you happen to be on Amazon and want to pre-order my second book, Ducking Long Way, then that would be much appreciated if that in August. Thank you and speak to you next time. Game over.